The Spin-Off Podcast Network. You're listening to Business is Boring, a podcast that reckons it's anything but. Business is Boring is brought to you by SparkLab, offering inspiration and practical advice to help businesses find their edge. To hear more about SparkLab, including details about the latest events, workshops, and business tools, visit sparklab.co.nz. And now, here's your host, Simon Pound. You're listening to Business Is Boring, a podcast that reckons it's anything but. Business Is Boring is made by The Spinoff with help from Callahan Innovation. Here's your host, Simon Pound. A big part of decarbonising the world rests on solving the energy storage question. Oil and fossil fuels have been such amazing materials as they are a great dense store of energy on tap. The big options to replace these fossil fuels, things like solar or wind or other renewable power, have one key issue. To have reliable supply, you need to store that power in some form of battery for when the sun goes down or the wind stops blowing. Batteries have seen huge advances over recent years, but there are still some hard limits to the efficacy of lithium, and the supply of the raw materials for batteries is a big issue. There are limited quantities of lithium and cobalt, and their extraction is helping destabilise societies and can be incredibly harmful to the environment and the people involved. It's an ethical minefield, but one people are overlooking in the important move to green tech. It's a big problem a New Zealand startup is helping to solve. Dr. Shalini Divya is the co-founder of Tasman Iron, who are commercialising her research around using the earth-abundant aluminium to make a new generation of more recyclable, sustainable and equitable batteries. To talk the mission, the science and the journey, Dr. Shalini Divya joins us now. Thank you for being here. Hi, Simon. Thank you so much for inviting me today. I am more than happy to talk about my journey and I'm looking forward um, to our conversation. Ah, awesome. Well, yeah, thanks for being on a, on a Zoom from Wellington. Um, tell us, how did you come to be interested in batteries and the wider issue of energy poverty? Um, well, so I come from India. I did my bachelor's and master's in India and... Um, India is one of the um, poorest countries when it comes to energy. Uh, most of the households, actually 90% of the households, they do not have access to clean energy sources. And um, I realized this when I was studying my master's. And uh, that is when, you know, we were given a choice of projects. And when I saw batteries and supercapacitors, energy storage devices, basically, I realized that there is an opportunity for me to do something. You know, there will be opportunities for people to install solar panels and use these batteries in their houses and move towards a cleaner and a greener environment. So that's how I moved into the um, clean energy and green energy um, system. Wow. What is the situation, you know, what's a common situation for the 90% of houses that don't have access to clean and reliable energy sources, perhaps? 
So we are heavily dependent on coal and, um, you know, the power plants, thermal power plants. And uh, that is a very common phenomenon. In fact, um, even in my household, we are dependent on the non-renewable sources. And that is something that can easily change given the geography of India. Um, it is very important for us to switch to, non -re uh, to renewable sources of energy, especially solar and wind uh, wind and hydropower. So given that India receives a heavy amount of sunlight for at least six months, it is there is a great opportunity for us to tap that potential. So I just hope that once, um, you know, India reaches that stage where we use batteries to store that energy, um, we can reach, you know, the other uh, majority and switch to cleaner energy resources. And what led you to having so having started that period of um, of study in your bachelor's and master's into this area? What led you to uh, Wellington and to your supervisors who were also in the space? Um, so getting a PhD was always my dream. Um, since my bachelor's, I thought of getting a PhD, and uh, well, when it comes to a PhD, it's all dependent on your PhD supervisor. So Professor Thomas Nan, he was one of um, the best electrochemists that I came across. And then I got this wonderful scholarship from Victoria University of Wellington. So this was, you know, an added benefit. And that's how I knew that I was coming to New Zealand. And um, my first conversation with Thomas, it was not about batteries or anything. He just wanted to make sure that I was comfortable and I should not worry about my PhD or anything until I came to New Zealand. So I knew that I had made the right choice. Oh, awesome. And in, in terms of batteries, I mean, if you've been working in this field across three long and hard periods of academic study, I mean, the rest of the world must have caught up a bit to your interest in it as things like Tesla and their battery walls and the giga farms and all these things have kind of made them a mainstream conversation. But when it started, it must have been um, far more of a, a specialist interest. Why? So, so yeah, how... how, how are batteries kind of important and um, how do they work? Um, so what happened was that when I started uh, my PhD, I hadn't heard of aluminium ion batteries at all. And I thought, why am I working on aluminium? Why am I not working on lithium ion batteries? So yes, lithium ion batteries, they are magical. I mean, they won, won the Nobel Prize, right? So we know that they are the best out there. But there have been instances where um, people have been working on alternative battery technologies. And the reason was that, well, you know, I mean, lithium or the other raw materials that exist, they're not going to last forever. And they, um, we still have to work on technologies that use sustainable sources, you know. So it was important for scientists like us to work on alternative technologies Maybe we do not compete with Tesla at the moment, but just give us 10 or 15 years. Who knows? And uh, I mean, lithium ion batteries, they got 30 years of research behind them. Aluminium ion battery, I mean, the research is still in its infancy. So there is a lot of scope. And we have a lot of things to learn from the lithium battery technology, and we can easily apply that to aluminium batteries. So yes, I mean, we have others working on aluminium batteries. 
it is kind of a race, but then someone has to reach the finish line first, right? So that's what it's all about. And what are the key differences? So yeah, heaps of people would have heard of lithium-ion batteries, whether it's in batteries in their um, own devices or, or yeah, Tesla's been kind of popularizing it. But it's limited, isn't it? Like there really is like a, a, a set supply of how much lithium there is. And what's the difference between that and aluminium? Um, So I'll actually start with stating the problems that we currently have with lithium-ion technology and the reason why we're looking into alternatives. When you think of a lithium-ion battery, it's not only lithium. You have lithium, nickel and cobalt. These are the raw materials you're using in a lithium-ion battery. Then there is a substance which is called, um, well, the electrolyte. Basically, it is a medium through which your uh, electrochemical processes take place. So what happens in a lithium-ion battery is that you do not have enough lithium or cobalt to last for centuries. Yes, we are thinking of recycling lithium and cobalt from the existing devices. However, that is not enough to, you know... um, for the demand that is being generated for the next couple of decades. All of the world is trying to switch to renewable sources of energy. They are switching to greener technology and therefore electric vehicles are very, very important. Lithium-ion batteries, they are right in the middle of it. So it is. it has been said that in the next 30 years, we will have approximately 400 million electric vehicles on the road. Where does that lithium or nickel or cobalt come from? So we do not have, even after recycling or repurposing lithium-ion batteries, we will not have enough lithium to sustain or to meet those demands. And the other reason for that is you're using lithium-ion batteries for other devices as well. Your power tools, mobiles, laptops, electric bikes, e-scooters, all of these appliances are using lithium-ion batteries. So people like us, scientists like us, we are trying to aim at those other appliances, not electric vehicles, who can use other technologies like aluminium iron technology to meet their power demands. So the other problem with lithium iron battery is that it explodes. Um, There have been instances where, you know, the products have been recalled because there was some problem with the safety. The lithium-ion batteries, they are hazardous in nature. And therefore, sometimes you have to spend a lot to make sure that you're importing or exporting these batteries safely. So these are the few problems that exist with lithium-ion battery. How is aluminium different? Well, to begin with, aluminium is the most abundant metal in the Earth's crust. And it can be cheaply recycled. So when I started using my batteries, I actually used kitchen aluminium foil and the batteries worked. They did not die. So it's all about how sustainable you can make your batteries, right? The other biggest advantage that we have is that the electrolyte that we use, it's non-flammable in nature. It is not going to catch fire. I have punched and dissected so many batteries in my lab. Trust me, no toxic fumes and no explosion for sure. So that is the other advantage. 
The third advantage, money-wise, is um, what happens is, you know, when you think of a new technology, investors think that, oh, we will have to set up a new manufacturing plant or a new, you know, a fabrication facility to set up this aluminium battery technology. Well, actually, no. Um, I was in Germany uh, three years ago and I used their facilities to make aluminium iron batteries. So this institute in Germany is called Fraunhofer. They specialize in making lithium ion batteries in all shapes and sizes. And the thing that I realized in Germany was that I could use their facilities without any extra cost to make aluminum ion batteries. So that saves you millions of dollars to, um, you know, establish a new manufacturing plant for aluminum ion batteries. You simply don't have to do that. So these are the advantages that aluminum has over lithium ion technology and also the other battery techs that currently exist. So it is important for us to move towards a safer and a more sustainable piece of technology, right? So that is what I'm aiming for. Yeah, that's so cool. And you mentioned there that you went to a research facility in Germany uh, yes. with the technology. So, so that was during your your PhD. Hey, so yes. what, what? So you started investigating aluminium iron as a replacement or alternative to um, the conventional technology, and then you, you. What was it like when you started to see results that were good enough that it was um, it was worth uh, heading over to Germany and seeing if it could work in the kind of big leagues. Um, one thing I would like to say is that I was a very happy PhD student. The reason for that is when you're working on batteries, you do not have to wait for 24 hours for something to crystallize. It's super easy. So all I had to do was make my device, plug it in, and within two hours, I knew whether the battery was going to work or not. So it was one of those days, and I plugged in this magic material, and it gave me a very high energy density. So energy density is basically the amount of energy you can store. So this magic material that I used, it stored a large amount of energy and it actually kind of um, outperformed the other materials that existed in the aluminium battery literature. So that's the point I knew that, oh my God, this is something worth sharing with my supervisor. And I called him right then and there. And he came jumping into my lab with his coffee cup, which he was not supposed to, but that's how excited he was. <laughs> and... Um, yeah, so that was the moment we realized that we have found something and we can definitely do something about it. Um, so the problem was that in Victoria University of Wellington, we did not have the resources that would help us validate our result or help us get in touch with the commercialization people, you know, to tell them that, hey, we've got something. Would you like to, you know, invest your money and see how it goes? So that is the reason why I headed to Fraunhofer Institute. They make something which is called pouch cell. A pouch cell is basically a battery design. And as the name suggests, it looks like a pouch. So that is what we did. We went to Germany. We made 30 or 40 pouch cells. And um, yeah, we realized that the batteries worked. We realized that there were a few problems that existed and we had to solve those problems before we thought of commercializing it. And that's how the story unfolded. And uh, Thomas, my supervisor, was there with me in Germany and um, it was a huge learning experience, Simon. I mean, um, 
the resources they had, the lab facilities they had, I was in awe. And I was like, I wish we had this in New Zealand. And yeah, that's that's how the story was. <laughs> and then in terms of um, taking that idea, so, and then coming back to Victoria and then working with um, Wellington Uni Ventures to uh, start the path to making a company. Tell me about that, because I find this area of commercialization of science so fascinating and the kind of tools that are set up to help people who are researching things to, um, to yeah, to, to, to make companies and work with industry. It was such an adventure, Simon. I was this very, very, you know, nerdy PhD student. And here I was thinking of commercializing um, things. So this is where Wellington Uni Ventures comes in. So when you have a piece of technology that can be commercialized or has some potential for commercialization, they get in touch with you. They understand if there is a market for your product. They do the due diligence, the pre-market validation. They come back to you with the result. And that's when you realize that, hey, I can do something with this piece of technology. And there is a definite potential for commercialization. So that's how we got in touch with Wellington Uni Ventures. They helped us file the provisional patent. And uh, they helped us draft the provisional patent. And that's how it was. The other thing was um, they helped me understand the ABC of commercialization. I had no idea about anything. Um, I had no idea that the language in which the investors speak is different. They did not care about the data I was producing. It was all about the vision that you have for your product and what are the achievements or, you know, the goals that you have with your product. So that was a changing, um, a life-changing moment for me. And um, I honestly had always, always loved international conferences or seminars or any opportunity that I got where I could talk about my technology, I was always happy to grab that. Um, And this was an opportunity where I could easily talk to people about this piece of technology I had created, the impact it can have on um, the clean energy and, you know, the society. So I was very happy and thrilled to get uh, UniVenture support and uh, they helped me drive this forward. And they're still doing it. So, yeah. And in terms of where the company's at now, yeah, what, what's, what's happened? Like, how did you go about setting up Tasman Ion? And uh, at what stage are you in development? So Tasman Ion is currently at a pre-product stage. We are currently trying to raise pre-seed capital so that we have a fabrication facility in New Zealand that helps me build a prototype. All I'm looking for in New Zealand is to have a space that helps me build that prototype because that piece of device, that prototype is something that I will be taking it to other investors and I will be telling them that, hey, this is what I've created in New Zealand. And um, because I've had conversations with a few battery manufacturers outside New Zealand, it makes it easier for them to adapt or adopt, actually, adopt my recipe and make batteries for me in all shapes and sizes. We are not thinking of mass manufacturing batteries here in New Zealand. 
It's all about using their distribution channels and their networks to make batteries, aluminium batteries of all shapes and sizes. However, whenever I speak to any battery manufacturer, all they're looking for is a problem-free recipe. So it's all about uh, me solving the challenges here in New Zealand and then licensing the technology to the international or global manufacturers. So that's what our plan is. And um, yeah, that's how we are going to go about it. So that is the commercial vision that we have for uh, Tasman Iron. Ah, so cool. And we'll be back in just a couple of minutes to hear more from Dr. Shalini Divya on her advice for people who might be looking to commercialise an idea. Kia ora koutou katoa. Te Aihe Butler here, podcast manager at The Spin-Off. As we find ourselves navigating a new outbreak and lockdown, everyone here at The Spin-Off remains committed to bringing you quality independent journalism, which, of course, includes our coverage of COVID-19. It's not an exaggeration to say we couldn't do this work without the generous support of our members. So, if you'd like to help us keep Aotearoa informed, please visit thespinoff.co.nz slash members for more details and to donate today. That's so cool that you're at that stage of um, looking to actually build a facility. How far are you from having a prototype uh, once you get that up and going, that that might be able to replace lithium-ion ba- batteries, and and what kind of use cases would you be going for first? So right now we have got interested investors, and that is a huge uh, bonus. So when you get interested investors, it helps you build your commercial and your technical plan. So as I mentioned, our commercialize uh, our commercial plan is all about building a prototype after we have solved those technical challenges. To solve those technical challenges, I have built a three-year technical development plan that is going to help me mitigate all the technical risks. At the end of those three years, I will have a prototype for a commercial drone. And once we see that the battery recipe is all good and we are getting the desired results, that's when we think of getting in touch with our mass manufacturers and then building batteries for different applications. So that is what um, the technical plan is. Um, Also, uh, right now I'm into this uh, accelerator program by Creative HQ. It's called Climate Response Accelerator. And this is a three months program where they have helped me understand everything about, uh, you know, getting in touch with the people that can help you. The one important, the most important thing that I realized is that in today's time, it's all about who knows who. And you just might get in touch with someone who might be, you know, uh, who might prove very helpful for you. So that is what I've been doing for the past couple of months. I've been working on my capital strategy I've been working on our commercial plan and working on the vision as well. So I've got these immense support around me that helps me make, uh, you know, uh, move towards my dream. I am extremely excited about this whole adventure. 
So, yeah. <laughs> and what would your advice be for people who who are, you know, working on some really important research and um, about making the move to then commercialising and um building the new skill set to run a company and to turn it into a business? Um, I'm going to share a little bit of, you know, this my personal experience with you. So when I finished my PhD, Wellington Uni Ventures, they nominated me for this award, which is called the Emerging Innovator Award, and that is via KiwiNet. So this award um, is basically, you know, you have to pitch for a few minutes in front of mock investors and then if you get the award you get twenty thousand dollars and that gives you the opportunity to travel the world and meet people who can help you understand what commercialization is all about they give you a mentor for six months and um, yeah so i got nominated for the award i got the award and that's how my journey started Unfortunately, that is the point when New Zealand had her first lockdown. So I was in my room stalking people on LinkedIn and understanding how the world functions. However, I got this amazing mentor. His name is Graham Saunders and he taught me the ABC of commercialization. He taught me everything about, you know, um, words that are so important, term sheets, pitch decks, uh, information or investment memorandum. I had no idea what these words meant, but he taught me everything. And then Uni Ventures, you know, they have always been so supportive. So it's like my only advice would be if you have a dream, if you think that you really want to do something, talk to people. Tell them that you want to do this. And I think New Zealand is one of the best countries that realizes your potential and connects you with people who can actually support you. On this note, I would also mention McDermott Institute. So what happened was that after I was done with my Emerging Innovator program, I had to decide what I wanted to do next. Because we did not have investments yet, McDermott came up with this um, funding for me that helped me understand the commercialization potential of Tasmanine. And they connected me with a number of startup founders. They helped me get into the ecosystem. So yes, advisors and mentors are important, but it is equally important to get in touch with other people like you who have been through a similar journey. So yes, I think... Um, the Emerging Innovator Award, McDermott Institute, and um, the, Accelerator, the Accelerator Program have played very important roles. So all I can say is, if you think you have got something magical or huge, talk to people about it and tell them that, yes, this is what you want to do. And I'm sure you will get all the help that you need. And as a final thought, what will success be for you personally on this journey? And also, what would success be for the potential that the technology that you're developing has? Um, so currently, um, the short-term goal for me or for Tasmanine would be to set up that small battery lab here in New Zealand. It gives a very good opportunity to other battery scientists and manu uh, not manufacturers, it gives a lot of um, opportunity to other battery scientists and researchers in New Zealand to work on that technology and take it to the next level. 
that would also help us create this small pool of talent in New Zealand and it would help us put New Zealand on the map when it comes to battery tech. India, Japan, United States, Australia, all of them, they have done so much work when it comes to battery technologies. Why not New Zealand? So that's what I think um, we can do with Tasman Iron when it comes to developing that facility here. Well, when it comes to technology, and this is something that I do not tell my investors, um, I really think I can send Tasman Iron batteries into space, you know. Um, well, rockets, that is one place where you cannot afford exploding batteries. Aluminium ion batteries, they are just right for that. You know, you can just send your batteries into space and who knows, one day we can compete with Tesla. I'm not competing right now. But then again, that is the vision I have and I really hope that I do achieve my goal and my dream comes true. Ah, that's so magic. Well, thank you so much for sharing the story with us today. That's co-founder and CTO at Tasman Iron, Dr. Shalini Divya. Kia ora, thank you for being here. Thank you so much, Simon. Yeah, cool. Can't wait to see where you take it next. Thank you so much to Te Aihe Butler for producing. And thank you as ever for having us along in your ears and listening. And take care. You've been listening to Business is Boring, presented by Simon Pound. Brought to you by The Spin-Off and Callahan Innovation. From The Spin-Off Podcast Network, that was Business is Boring. Brought to you by SparkLab. Make sure you're following Business is Boring wherever you get your podcasts. And for more information on SparkLab, visit sparklab.co.nz. Ready to rediscover the joys of cycling? With over 300 kilometres of cycle paths across Tamaki Makoto, jumping on your bike and going for a ride is such a fun way to discover the city from a different perspective. Cycling is getting more and more popular across Auckland, so now's a great time to join the hype and give cycling a go. Head to at.govt forward slash cycling to find your nearest cycleway today. The Spin-Off Podcast Network.